we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I want us to look together in the gospel according to Matthew in the fourth chapter, beginning in verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. I'd like for you to note the invitation, really more than the invitation, the call that Christ placed upon the lives of these fishermen. We read the words in verse 19, and he saith unto them, follow me. That was the call, a simple call, was it not? Follow me. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of the call to follow Christ, the call to follow Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we come around your word today, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, that Christ would be our teacher. We thank you that you have raised us up together and made us to sit with you in heavenly places. And we pray that we would hear your voice and help us to respond. Holy Spirit, enable me and fill me so that I might proclaim your message in power and in truth. Fill your hearers so that they might receive it. We pray for those who may be here who do not know you as their Savior, who have never entered into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, who cannot sing from their hearts with confidence, I stand redeemed. I pray that you would help them today to come to you, to realize their need of salvation and be saved. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we understand in verse number 19 that the Lord Jesus called these fishermen to follow him. Really a simple, simple command, is it not? Follow me. We note here that the Lord interrupted their day when he extended this call. In fact, this call is literally a command, and when he says, follow me, he's essentially saying this, come here and follow or come after me. He's extending the call that they come to him and that once they come to him, that they remain with him and that they come after him, that they walk behind him, they follow in his footsteps. And so we understand that this call is more than just a simple invitation. It is an imperative. It is a command that they follow him. And by the way, that is a command that he's issued to all of us. Follow me. It is an invitation. 
but it is also an imperative. Now, this was not the first day that Andrew and Peter had encountered the Lord Jesus. In fact, we find a record of that in John chapter 1. I invite you to turn there with me, John chapter number 1. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 35. We find that Andrew was a disciple of John, John the Baptist. And the Lord Jesus Christ, we know at the beginning of his earthly ministry, he went to John the Baptist and he was baptized. In John chapter 1, in verse number 35, after his baptism, the Bible says this, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus beheld him. He said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. You see, here in John, we have the first record of the meeting of the Lord Jesus Christ with Andrew and with Peter. I believe in Matthew chapter number four, which is our text this morning, we're, we're coming to the second meeting. The prior meeting was a call to salvation, that these two disciples, or at least one being Andrew, the disciple of John, having heard the testimony of John, behold, the Lamb of God comes to the Lord Jesus and understands that he is the Messiah and in turn goes and finds his brother and brings him to the Lord Jesus. These two brothers are introduced to Christ. They receive a call, a call to salvation. That is a call that has, been, uh, that has gone out for more than 2,000 years. That those who do not know the Lord Jesus would come to him and understand that he is the only way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is only through his sacrifice, the sacrifice that he made on the cross for our sins, that you and I can approach a holy God and have our sin forgiven. And therefore, as the choir sang this morning, we stand redeemed not because of our righteousness, but because of his. So there's a primary call that these disciples received. It was a call to salvation. The secondary call was a call to sanctification. That call is a call that separates us from the world. A call that not only separates us from the world, but a call that unites us in fellowship and communion with Christ. That we belong to him. And the Lord, as he spoke here in Matthew chapter 4 to these disciples, called them from the fishing boat, from their nets to him. 
not only is there a call to sanctification, then we see that there is a call to service. He said, I will make you fishers of men. I have a job for you to do. And God has called us to himself. I hope you've received him as Savior. If not, I want to encourage you today, you can receive Christ as your Savior. You can experience the forgiveness of your sin, the power of God dwelling in you. You can experience the call of sanctification to come apart from the world unto Christ and the call to serve him. He has created us unto good works. We are his workmanship. He's done a work in us, but there is a work that he has for us to do. These are the calls that he places upon our lives. And as we examine this passage, we're going to note three characteristics of the call of Christ this morning. And I'm praying that the Spirit of God would help us not only to hear the call, but to understand what is required of those who hear the call. First of all, I want you to note that the call to follow Christ is an inconvenient call. It's an inconvenient call. Notice, if you would, again in our text in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, again, we recorded or we noted in John 1 he had met them earlier. Now he's coming to them. This is not by accident or happenstance. He's walking along the sea. He's coming to the place where the fishermen uh, have resorted. They brought their boats in. And he sees Andrew and Peter, and uh, they're fishing still, casting their net into the sea. We understand something about the call then. It's an inconvenient call. It is not confined to a conveniently chosen period. What are these men doing? They're fishing. They're not sitting around inactive. They're not looking for a new opportunity. They're not waiting for something to happen. These are busy, industrious men. They're, they're not inactive. They're not unemployed. They have no plan to hang up their nets and their fishing rods. They're actively engaged in the work that they have. They're fishermen. Oftentimes people say, I'll serve the Lord when I have a better opportunity, when it's a better time, when, when my responsibilities are cared for, uh, when the business isn't so good or when the needs aren't so great. But today is not the time. I want you to understand that the call of Christ always comes at an inconvenient time. And in an inconvenient period, the call of Christ is also not confined to a conveniently chosen position. The Bible said these men were fishers. That was their identity. They were well-respected fishermen there, no doubt. They knew the waters. They knew the Sea of Galilee. And we have no hint that they were struggling in their business. Their livelihood and their life was tied to those nets. And now the Lord is asking them to leave that behind. Many of us seek positions and, and prominence in this world. The Lord, in his call, commands that we leave that aside. Christ's call to discipleship is not confined to a conveniently chosen plan. 
Everyone in this room has a plan for their life, a thought of how they think it would go. Uh, many of us have lived long enough to understand that our plan didn't really come to fruition exactly as we thought. In most cases, by the grace of God, it's been far greater than we thought. Amen. It's been much different than we anticipated, but far greater as we follow the Lord. But we have plans, plans for today, plans for this week, plans for our future. But the, the Lord calls us to leave aside our plans. Christ's call to discipleship is not confined to a conveniently chosen place. Oftentimes people say, well, I'm willing to serve as long as I can be in this location or I can be at this place. But God says to us, no, convenience has nothing to do with this. You must be willing to follow me. Regardless of the period, regardless of the position, regardless of the plan, and regardless of the place, the Lord Jesus has called us to follow him. The question is, are we willing to follow him? And we need to understand what is required. I'd like for you to look with me, if you would, please, in the gospel according to Luke in the ninth chapter. Luke chapter 9. We'll be here in this ninth chapter just for a moment. So you might want to hold your place there. Luke chapter number 9. And we'll begin reading in verse number 23. We learn something about this inconvenient call. It is really more than just an inconvenient call, by the way. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 23, the Bible said, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, there's that term again, follow me, come after me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Well, you don't hear that message propagated in many pulpits today, do you? Not in a lot of church growth seminars will you hear that phrase. If you're going to come and follow Christ, you must deny yourself. Not in an age where people are, are, are used to having their needs met or their, their desires catered to. Christ says, if you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself. Notice what he says, and take up his cross daily. If we're going to follow Christ, it requires that we daily deny ourselves, that we learn to take up the cross. What is the cross? It is an instrument of death, death to self. We must learn to die to self and follow Christ. We have no rights. We've yielded our rights to him. We have no agenda. He determines the agenda. We have no standing. All the standing and all the glory belongs to him. You see, if we're going to answer the call, we must be willing to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. Now, how, 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 how is that evidenced in our lives? How, what is the application of that? I want you to go with me uh, to verse 57 of this ninth chapter. In verse number 57, we're introduced in these verses to three men who have proclaimed their desire to follow Christ or who will proclaim their desire to follow Christ. The first evidence or the first instance of that is in verse 57, and this man 
proclaims boldly his desire to follow Christ. Look at it, if you would, please. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now, that's a bold claim. The place doesn't matter, he said. I'm ready to go. And the period doesn't matter. It's time. I'm ready, and, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. Verse 58, and Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He said, I have no place to live. Now, all of us like to be home, don't we? I'm not a good traveler. Are you a good traveler? I don't enjoy hotels. I want to get home to my house. I like to sleep in my bed. Uh, I, I'm comfortable there. I'm not comfortable in other places. And, and we like to be with our families, don't we? Because we can be ourselves. There is rest there. What is the Lord saying here in these verses? That we must choose to follow him, that, that our choice to follow him supersedes our rest. We like convenience. We like comfort. But the Lord is calling us to lay aside our comfort, our rest, and to follow him. Well, then in verse 59, we're introduced to another uh, would-be follower of Christ. And verse 59, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, when we initially read this, we're wondering, is this man's father dead and at the funeral home? And the answer is no. So this is not some insensitive comment that Christ is making. The Lord knows the heart of this man. And so this man is requesting that he go back home, take care of his aging father with the anticipation that at some point he's going to die and he's going to be the person that is responsible to take care of his father. So he claims that he wants to follow Christ, but he's wanting to choose the period. And he's wanting to choose the position. You see, if we're going to follow Christ, we must choose him over our responsibilities. As I said, he comes to us at an inconvenient time. What are, what are Andrew and Peter doing? They're fishing. I mean, they're carrying out their business. They're doing what they do. And the Lord said, leave that and follow me. And if we're going to follow Christ, we have to be willing to answer the call no matter what the time is. And we must be willing to go where he commands that we go. Well, then in verse 61, we're introduced to another would-be follower. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, this man wants more than just a, a wave goodbye or a hug at the door. This man wants to go back home to his family, explain to them what he's going to do, get their blessing, and pending that, perhaps leave. He does not want to affect his relationships. And if we're going to follow Christ, we must choose him over our relationships. 
So we understand that this call is an inconvenient call. We're not looking for a preferred destination, but we are looking to a person and we follow him. So this command, this call, it's a simple one. It's that we follow Christ, not only for a day, but for a lifetime. Are you willing to do that? You see, the Lord gives us opportunity for so much more than just, and I don't mean to minimize it in any way, but just a ticket to heaven, which some are satisfied to have. But a life of service and devotion for the glory of God. This is what he has called us to. And so this lifelong journey, it doesn't stop when we get tired or grow weary. Have you ever been there? People say, you know, I've been in church all my life and I've been teaching a Sunday school class and I've been doing this or I've been doing that and I'm just tired and I think it's time to quit. Well, you won't find that language in the Bible. That doesn't mean things don't happen, that transitions don't occur, but we don't just simply quit because we're weary. Be not weary and well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Well, we need rest, Pastor, in our lives. Well, yes, we do. And where do we find it? We don't find it in the absence of the work. We find it in the midst of it, in the presence of Christ as we abide in him. Perhaps we have no rest because we're not abiding in him. So this lifelong journey, it doesn't stop when we grow weary. It doesn't stop when we get discouraged. And we do get discouraged. Things aren't going the way we thought. The class isn't growing. The people aren't listening. We don't have attention uh, of the children. And we get discouraged. Why? Because we had an expectation. Where did we get that expectation? Not from the Lord. You see, if we're following him, if we're following him, we keep our eyes on him. And, and, but if we start following people, looking around to see what they think and what they're going to do, then we've gotten our eyes off Christ. And that's when we grow discouraged. So we don't stop, not when we get weary, not when we get discouraged, or not when we're offended. By the way, church can be a place where people get offended. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been offended. Somebody said something you didn't like or did something that you didn't like. I want you to know, and you've heard me say this before, no one will ever offend you to the degree that your sin has offended the Lord. Yet he loves you. Yet he loves you. So we have no license to stop. The call to follow Christ is not a call that is void or made void by the circumstances of our lives. It is an unconditional call. Follow me. Now, after his resurrection, the Lord Jesus appeared to his disciples, and Peter and some of the disciples had gone fishing. And as they came to shore from a night of fishing, which, by the way, they caught no fish, they saw a form on the shore, and they heard a voice say, cast your net on the other side. And so they did. And what happened? What happened in Luke 5 earlier when they met him? They caught a lot of fish. And John said to Peter, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And they jumped out of the boat and ran to the shore, and they found Jesus had bread and fish on the fire. 
What was he saying? He's saying, look, I don't need your catch to take care of you. I've already got one, and I'm going to take care of you. By the way, if you follow Christ, he's promised he's going to take care of you. You can trust him. You can trust him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Lean not to thine own understanding, by the way. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. He doesn't need your catch. He's already got a catch. So trust him. So Peter came to shore. They eat, uh, the, they eat the bread and the fish. And the Lord said three times to Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, yes, I love you. Finally, the third time, you know that I love you. And the Lord said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then the Lord revealed to Peter something that we read in John 21 in verse 18. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. There's that term again. Now, Peter gets a, a picture here. The Lord reveals something to him. Peter, you're going to live to be an old man. I think most of us would be happy to know that, especially when we're young, that we're going to live to be old. But you're not going to like the way it ends, Peter. And so Peter, after he heard that, heard this command from Christ, follow me, trust me, do what I've asked you to do. This is the path I have for you. So Peter does what so many of us would do. He starts looking around. And he says in verse 21, Peter seeing him, speaking of John, that's who he's speaking of, the disciple, seeing him saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now that's what you've got for me to do, but what about this guy? What about this guy? Verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? What does it matter? Follow me. You know what happens to us in church life? We get to looking around at what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has, and we start feeling sorry for ourselves, and we start comparing ourselves with ourselves, and the Bible says that when we do that, we are not wise, right? And the Lord said, you don't need to worry about what I have for him. You just need to follow the path that I have for you. Do you trust Jesus enough to do that? And so we see this call. It's an inconvenient call. Secondly, we see this call is an indispensable call. Look at it again, if you would, please, in verse 19. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, again, this is not an invitation. This is an imperative. This is a command. Follow me. And this is a call that we cannot afford to just pass off. Now, many do, by the way. But we can't afford to do that. It's indispensable. It's not something that we should say, well, you know, I'll think about that maybe. No, this is something that we should respond to in obedience. It's an indispensable call. Now, there are two reasons it's indispensable. First of all, it is indispensable because of the one who extends the call. Who is that? The Son of God. It is Christ Jesus the Lord. You see, we're called to a new pursuit not a pursuit to please self, but a pursuit to please Christ, a pursuit to our master. Paul knew something of this pursuit, and he writes about it in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7. 
if you'll remember, Paul had, had climbed the ladder, so to speak, of the Jewish religious world. He had fulfilled every hope and dream that he had. He had become a prominent Pharisee. He had the respect of all the Jews. But when he met Jesus, he gave it all up. In verse 7 of Philippians 3, he says this, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. That was an inconvenient call, was it not? On the road to Damascus when Jesus spoke to him. He said, I do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. That's what he was trying to pursue when he was on that road to Damascus, his own righteousness. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. What was the pursuit of Paul's life? It was a person. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. His desire was to know God. Do you desire that this morning? Jesus has given every one of us the opportunity to know him and to commune with him and to walk with him and to discover the joy of living life in his service. It's an indispensable call. It's one that we can't pass up. It's indispensable because of the one who extended the call. It is indispensable, secondly, because what is at stake? Notice what he says again. Verse 19, follow me and as a result of you following me, I will make you fishers of men. There's more to life than catching fish making a dollar, climbing the ladder, enjoying the pleasures of life. The souls of men are at stake. They were called to a new purpose, the ministry. God has called each of us to serve him as ministers of the gospel of Christ. And he has chosen that men proclaim his message. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. The world in its wisdom rejected God. So therefore it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God said, I'm going to use men to declare my message. That's why he called them to follow him, to deliver his message. Why? Because it is the vehicle that God has chosen to bring men to salvation. So the souls of men are at stake. Paul expressed it this way in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how, they, how shall they preach except they be sent? Jesus calls us in order to send us. He calls us to himself so that he can send us forth to proclaim the message of the gospel. The souls of men are at stake. 
What may make the difference, ma'am, in the eternal destiny of that friend that you have or that coworker that you have, sir, or that neighbor that you have, what may make the eternal difference in their destiny is your willingness to follow Christ and allow Christ to make you a fisher of men. Well, there's some other things at stake. We read of them in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 and moving forward. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, Jesus said this, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Let me say this to you. If we're not willing to follow Christ, the savor of the church is at stake. He said, if the salt, that's the church, that's the people of God, if the salt has lost its savor, then what purpose does it serve? By the way, there are a lot of churches that are losing their savor. Uh, when I was a kid growing up in Knoxville, there was a furniture store there, the Brown Squirrel. They had a catchy little song that they, uh, a jingle that they used in their commercials. And it seemed like from the time I was a boy until an adult, the brown squirrel was going out of business. <laughs> We're going to have a going out of business sale. Well, I drove by there the other day. They're still in business. <laughs> still in business. You know, many churches have been going out of business for a long time. Oh, they have meetings. They have classes. They have services. They... They have ministries, but they've lost their savor. Unwilling to follow Christ. Unwilling to become offensive. Now, we're not looking to be offensive, but the message of the gospel is offensive. Unwilling to speak the truth. Unwilling to minister to the lost and witness boldly to them and bring them to Christ. The savor of the church is at stake if we don't follow Christ. Not only that, but the stability of the world is at stake. Look in verse 14. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You see, this world needs light. This world is in darkness. You don't need to look much further than the the daily news stories. We're living in a nation that is drowning in darkness. A nation that is turned away from the truth of God. A nation that is led by people who don't know God, who have no fear of God. We've never seen such ineptitude, such chaos. Leaders who will not protect its citizens from criminals. Leaders who have lost the ability to reason. Leaders who want to send people into our schools to tell our children that they should change their gender, that they should reject divine order as God has established for it to be. And they're applauded. And our nation is coming apart. Why? 
because of some leader? No, because we have failed to shed the light of God's truth. And therefore, men are walking in darkness. There's no restraining influence of the word of God in the hearts of people. There's no fear of God because the light has been turned out. I would say to you, there's a lot at stake. The souls of men, the savor of the church, the stability of the world. And then look in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let me just say this. The glory of God is at stake. The glory of God. We do not want to shame him. and Therefore, we must follow him. Well, let me give you a third truth here, and we'll close with this one. Number three, the call to follow Christ is an immediate call. Look at verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. That word straightway means immediately, without delay, without hesitation, without debate, without questioning, without consideration. They straightway did two things. Number one, they forsook their nets and they followed Christ. You see, we're living in a time when there is no time for delay. Obedience must be immediate and complete. And this call of Christ evokes an immediate response. Some obey, many disobey. This morning as you're hearing this message, what is happening in your heart? You're making a decision. Am I going to answer the call of Christ today? Or am I going to set this one on the back burner and get to it later? Remember those two men who decided they were going to follow Jesus? In Luke 9, 59, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first. Suffer me first to go and bury my father. Verse 61, another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go. You see, we always have something to do. There's always a time out there in the future where we're going to serve God. You know, once the kids are grown, once they're out of diapers, once they're out of school, Once I'm through college, once, once I'm married, once, once I've got the promotion, once I've got to the position and to the place where I can afford to do this, that's when I'm going to do it. No, today is the day. Are we going to follow Jesus? What's at stake? The souls of men. So in order to do that, what did they have to do? Well, they had to drop their nets. They left their nets. Time and time again, you and I are confronted on a daily basis with things that we're going to have to learn to leave aside so that we can follow Jesus. And by the way, the world's full of all kinds of trappings and nets and, and trinkets and treasures that it wants to place in our hands. But we need to learn to leave those things aside and follow Christ are you willing to answer the call today to follow Jesus?
You won't do it unless you forsake the net. So what thing is it that you and I need to forsake? What is it that you need to lay aside today in order to follow him? Some sinful habit, some, some attitude that you've harbored, some bitterness that may be within, uh, some affection uh, for some sinful thing. What is it that we need to lay aside? Uh, some idol that has become more important to us than the Lord Jesus. Immediately they forsook their nets. Are you willing to forsake yours? And immediately they followed him. Do you know that to delay is to disobey? Do you know what's happening in Peter's life? He's moving now from a part-time follower of Christ to a full-time, depart, a full-time follower from one who's partially devoted to one who is fully devoted. He is willing to take another step forward in his commitment to Christ. He is ascending to new heights with Jesus. What do you want for 2023? What do you want for this week? What do you want for tomorrow? I would say simply that if we're going to go deeper with Christ, then we have to make a commitment to follow him. And so may God help us to do so. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.